Hello, and thanks for listening to Captivate Ed, a podcast dedicated to equipping education leaders like you with strategic storytelling solutions that address the ever-changing needs of your school and district. I'm your host, Jake Sturgis, founder of Captivate Media and Consulting, a team dedicated to using story to positively impact education. And this podcast is just that, lifting up your stories and learning from each other. Thanks for being here. You're listening to episode number two of our series focused on amplifying student voice to help transform adult mindsets. My guest today is Pam Miller. She is the teaching and learning director for the Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District. Pam, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Pam, just starting off, if you can just give our listeners just a little bit of information about you as well as the Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District. I have been in the district for this is my 32nd year. So I started in this district as a Spanish teacher right out of college 32 years ago. I have been in this role as director for the past 18 years and so have moved through a variety of positions. Our district is located about 40 miles northwest of Minneapolis. We have a population of about 5,500 students, K-12. We have six elementary schools, one large middle school, and one large high school. Our demographics, we're about 89% white, and we have about 18% of our students who qualify for special education services, and about the same percentage that qualify for free or reduced price meals, about 2% English learners. So it gives you just a little bit of background. We serve three communities, Buffalo, Hanover, and Montrose. So of our elementaries, we've got four elementaries in Buffalo proper, and then one in Montrose community, and then one in Hanover. Can you just give a little bit of background on the equity journey of your district and some of the professional development things that, that you've done and kind of what that looked like leading up to your work with us in the Voices Framework? For many years, I want to say 12 to 15 years, we have offered up an optional session for SEED, Seeking Educational Equity and Diversity. And we had SEED trained trainers These sessions were offered up after school for four hours each, and it was a monthly commitment. It was very productive conversation. We'd have two seed trainers, and then I'd say no more than about 15 to 20 teachers on an annual basis that would want to participate in the seed conversations. And so that was our our first long-term getting some conversations started. I became a SEED trainer along with Nancy Eink, who's our educational equity coordinator. And the one year that we were working together, we all of a sudden started having these conversations about, you know, everybody needs to be a part of this. And SEED is optional. And we're not making much progress because we have this little pocket of 15 to 20 teachers every year. And sometimes Frankly, it was the same people that were signing up from year to year. We started talking about the fact that we need a broader audience. We need to go after some of these conversations in a more systemic kind of manner. At the same time, we were becoming an AVID district. AVID stands for Advancement via Individual Determination. And so Nancy and I would go to a national conference. And one one of the conference sessions that Nancy went to, she was listening to presenters from a a large district somewhere in Arizona. And they talked about 
bringing culturally relevant teaching training to their entire staff. And she walked away from that session saying, if they can do it, we can do it. So let's figure it out. This was in 2019. We decided to bring culturally relevant teaching training to all of our 400 teachers. So that year we did a 12-hour training that was written by the curriculum written by Nancy and myself using a lot of the avid resources of, of their text. And it started with building relationships with students, which our district really prides itself upon, but the importance of those relationships and why we need that in order to you know, get to the academic purpose that we're here for. And then it moved into holding high expectations for all students. It moved past that into respecting experiences of everybody and then really started to dig into the very, very final piece, just touching the surface of white privilege and really digging into more equity conversations. So we started very intentionally, very purposefully with our 400 teachers, knowing that some would be ready for that and ready for more and knowing that some would want to push back a little bit and maybe they got a little uncomfortable, which we told them, you know, that's good. You, you want to get uncomfortable. And so after that year, after that training, we really found that teachers were very responsive and asking for more. So the following year, then we dug into a little bit more of the race conversations and what is white privilege and what do we mean by racism and what do we mean by systemic racism? So we did another training that was just short because we were in COVID. And so we didn't, didn't have a lot of professional development time that we could commit to our equity, equity work, but at the same time, we didn't want to stop. At the same time, just prior to that, I had been at an MASA conference, and as you know, Jake, then I had gone to a, a breakout session where I heard, about, heard for the first time about the Voices Framework, and so heard from principal and you about working with other districts and how we can start to elevate student voices through the Voices Framework. And in particular, hear from students from historically underserved populations. So knowing in our own district that we had started very planfully, very intentionally with this kind of base level, helping people explore where are you at on your own personal journey? And then what does that mean in our classrooms? And what does that mean for the educational experiences of our students? We felt like we were ready to partner up with Captivate and say, hey, let's get some students involved here and let's see where this can lead. And it really just landed in the right time for our district in, in district preparedness and then persistence of Captivate to circle back around and, and find out where we were at. We had a great conversation after our presentation at that conference, and I could just see this being really effective in Buffalo, and I'm, I'm glad that glad that we were, had that chance to work together. What did other types of professional development not really offer or get at that you saw an opportunity by by partnering with us and and and, and using student voice to help further your work and and the conversations taking place in your district through the foundation that we had put into place with the other professional development that we had done we saw teachers exploring their own personal journey and the majority of staff through their feedback were on to the next level of asking what does this mean for us within our roles within the school? So knowing that we needed to help them with what's next. And then secondly, knowing that 
the only things that they had heard in the previous professional development experiences were adult voices. And like I said, we are a, a district that really prides ourselves on really strong relationships with students and saying, well, why don't we find out what their lived experiences are, what they're saying? And that's what had really caught my eye when I had first sat in that breakout session at the MASA conference with you, Jake, that why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we ask students about their experiences? And we don't do that often enough. As you know, there's a lot of things in education that we've been trying to, problems we've been trying to solve, and it's we haven't always done the best job. And I think when we can bring students into those conversations, it certainly helps us as adults see some of our blind spots and be able to better better serve our our, our students. This work isn't always easy, and I'm guessing there's people who are who are listening and watching to this now. They may be in a similar situation where they're they're majority white district. I mean, you talked about your demographics and 89% of the of students being white, and people not always being ready to have these conversations or afraid that they're going to be too divisive, that we we can't do this. This is going to tear our community apart, or this is going to tear our our teachers apart. Can you talk a little bit about some of the courage that's needed to have these conversations and, and to do this work? Honestly, I didn't know how much courage was going to be needed until we got into the work and then realized once we rolled it out, oh, wow, we're going to get a little pushback here. There was something that one of our assistant principals said after viewing the middle school video. She said, the students in the video are asking us to have less courage than what it took them to come in front of the camera and tell their own experiences. She said they're asking for us to do things that are really not going to take much courage to do because it's what we're hired to do in public education. That really stuck with me after you know seeing the videos multiple times and, and hearing her response to that. It's the right work to do. And so, yes, we've had some pushback, both internally and externally. It takes courage. However, I would say that the longer that we're into the work and the more time that's passed since we first introduced the Voices Framework and first heard those students' voices and first had teachers react to them, I would say the stronger conviction that we have in order to lean forward for this for the sake of the students that were involved with the videos and those whose faces look similar that were not involved. Yeah. And I think so many schools too, you know, they may look at their demographics and be like, yeah, we're, you know, we've got 89% of our students who are white. Our students of color are only 11%. Like we kind of like they don't matter. And I'm not saying that that's the case for, for you guys, but I think it is important to remember that when looking at percentages and numbers and, and demographics, like those are young people. Those are students. Those are humans. Those are people who are going to help shape our future, who we can't just say, well, there's only a small number of students at our school. We don't really need to offer you know different things or differentiate instruction, differentiate so many different things you know, to help make their experiences better in school. And I just give you guys a lot of accolades, I guess, in terms of, of having that courage and, and saying that all of our students are important and we need to be doing whatever we can to make our environment more safe, more welcoming, more accepting for every one of, the stu- every one of our students who comes through the door. And that's, 
that's always that's easier said than done, especially in, in communities that are divided. Part of our commitment to having a goal of every single student, college and career ready by the time of, they leave our system, we say the words all means all. And just last week, Jake, I was talking with a principal and they were working with a teacher who had been resistant to change practices in their classroom for one student who was not being successful in the classroom. The principal had some thoughts, some ideas about strategies that would serve all of the other students and the one particular student who was not being successful. The teacher's reaction at the time on the pushback had been, but why do I need to change for one student? And the principal simply stated, then who are we here for? When we say all means all, does it really not mean all? And we're going to pick and choose which students that that doesn't apply to. So we keep going back to that. If we're talking about college and career readiness for all students, that really does mean all. Yeah, that was a great example. We created two different videos for you, one specifically for middle school and talking to sixth through eighth grade students, and then one for your high school for ninth through 12th grade students. Can you, can you talk a little bit about the process, what that looked like, and then leading up to the facilitation that took place when we showed the video to all of your teachers? As you know, Jake, we've got two stellar lead principals at the middle school and high school, and I've got great relationships with them. And so as we dove into, as an administrative team, as we said, we were going to be committed to this work with Captivate Media and create this Voices Framework, that meant, first of all, let's identify the students. And so I leaned heavily on our two lead principals to identify those students which we would be interviewing and really looking at who who do we need to hear from. So I think there were about 12 to 15 students at each site, middle school and high school, that we identified to to for those interviews. And some of the things I really liked about working with Captivate Media through the project was things like really looking into what do we need to do to prepare the students and their families for this experience. So stepping carefully into how do we protect the students and their families from the very beginning and forward so that we can elevate their voices and protect them for their own privacy. We were clear in saying we're not creating a marketing video here. We're creating a video to be used with professional development, with teachers, in order to make sure that your voice has been heard because we don't think that we've listened very carefully. And then it's interesting to think back, Jake, to you and your team coming out to do those interviews because it was it was during the time of COVID. At least we were here in person, but we had a lot of mitigation strategies in place and students were all over the place in terms of, you know, how much engagement with school at the time. But we were able to create those those opportunities for those interviews to take place. And then throughout the summer, that editing took place and an opportunity for the students then to come in and view the videos. I really appreciated that, too, about working with you, that we were sure to allow the students to have the say of, yep, that's what I meant by saying that. Or when they saw that video, an opportunity to say, "Mm, that came out not the way that it was intended or I don't like that part. We worked through that entire process with you and your team, who was has just been so great and so talented, to get to the point of then a, a handful of us 
being able to see the sort of draft version, the, the, the first version of the first version of the final videos after the students had had a chance to, to chime in. And, you know, when we were getting ready for implementation, we wanted to use that train the trainer approach because it really met, was a great match with our district. It's how we have delivered professional development in the past. And so being able to have an administrator stand next to a teacher leader and pairing those two people up and then between you and your team and people like Nancy and myself really honing into making sure everyone was prepared prior to that implementation. You know, the, the morning that we rolled out those videos, we were in groups of about, I think it was about 28 in the classroom. You were there as well with us. I think it was about 20, 25 to 28 in every classroom and then an administrator and a teacher in each room and have that chance to view the video and then throw up some really quite simple questions to create dialogue. And I'd say we were certainly more prepared than what we needed to be in terms of content of questions because that conversation once it started was really hard to cut off to say let's go to a go to another question they they were really quite engaged in every single classroom when the students are so brave and vulnerable it 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 opens the door for staff to be just as vulnerable and to be more courageous than maybe they would be in a typical professional development session where okay, if the kids are going to be this brave and put this all out on the table, like as an adult, I need to be able to to have that courage as well and to be able to you know share some of those things. The student selection piece that you talked about, we, we really try and partner with school leaders because they're the ones who have the relationships with students. We don't yet. And if the right students aren't chosen, that can have a really significant impact on on the video. Like you said, your principals were, were fantastic and had diversity in a number of different ways represented in, in those videos. And it was a really powerful piece to, to, to talk to all those students. I think I was in all the interviews for, for your project. And then on the looking over the editor's shoulder a little bit as things were being put together, but then so neat to be able to experience that as an outsider, watching your staff see the video for the first time and the impact, the emotion. There certainly were some tears in the groups that I was in as, as some of the teachers heard from students. And one thing that struck me was some of them said, you know, were talking about, you know, there, there were stories and things that they had heard for the first time. There were other people that said that, like, I've heard that story before. And this, this student has shared this with me before and kind of coming to the realization of how many more times do they need to share this story for some for change to happen for for us as adults to do something so i think that was a really a really powerful realization for so many staff i had to watch the video i don't know how many times before i didn't have tears and didn't have that emotion because i was discovering what it was that students had to share and so i remember one student in particular a middle school student when they shared about what their day was like and there was some question about the relationships with teachers, I remember feeling for the student how lonely that that day, every single day must be. 
And, you know, that's when I think we discovered, as you did, there's a perception gap between what we felt as a district and priding ourselves on these great relationships with students, that those teachers of that particular student, they would probably say, oh, I know him really well. We've got a great relationship, but that's not what he said. And so to hear it from them, there's just, there's nothing else that can take its place to say, that's a lonely, lonely day in middle school. And that student feels that every single day that they keep showing up for school. In fact, I'm surprised that they keep showing up for school, if that's what it's like. So then we need to think about, okay, how are we going to change things for the experiences of students that look like him? What's changed? I mean, have you noticed mindsets, empathy, understanding, policies? It's been a few months since the, the video's been, been shared with, with staff. Anything that you can share in terms of the response, I guess? I'm a couple of layers removed from students in my position, in my role. However, when I speak with both people like instructional coaches and principals, I hear repeatedly ways in which we have realized that we can include student voice. And not only students who are from historically underserved populations, but I think that's one thing that I've noticed about our district, Jake, that just in this short time, we're talking a lot more about how can we get student voice in into the conversations. Also, there's been a quite a significant amount of movement in terms of pondering of teachers of their instructional strategies or approaches or mindsets. What do I need to do within my classroom? At the high school level in particular, there is an appetite for some training about how can I be ready for teachable moments. So we heard in our video a couple of students sharing that they hear the N-word every day in the hallways. And so I think teachers are certainly asking at the high school level, so when I have a situation in a classroom or when I come across something in the hallway, I feel kind of uncomfortable because I don't really know how to react. I feel and see many more teachers being ready to, for action than what was previous there. And they're asking for help. They're asking for some support and also asking how will the district support us? How will the, will the district back us, quote unquote, if we engage in conversations about race? So those are a couple of things that I've noticed going on. In terms of policy, we haven't made any changes since September. However, coincidentally, tomorrow we have an administrative team meeting and I put on the agenda the holiday conversation. I heard a couple of years ago the quote of culture is what you allow. And I'm not sure who to give credit for that quote, but I've, it's really stuck with me. And you think about culture is what you allow just around the holiday conversation. We need to, we need to talk about Christmas. We need to talk about probably Halloween. And are we going to have some agreed upon parameters of what would be appropriate within our own district? And understanding where our community is at as well and what our community desires. We wouldn't be having that conversation right now, I don't think, Jake, if we hadn't engaged in the Voices Framework. We heard from students who are, who are Muslim about fasting and not really having a place to go during lunch where they felt safe, where they were welcomed during lunch. 
so there were some really good conversations that, yeah, that were, that were started certainly with, with the video. And I'm glad to hear that those are continuing on today. It was so striking to us as we viewed both the middle school and high school students, they're asking to learn. And that was a theme that we heard through both the middle school and high school videos, not just, well, I wish, you know, the, we don't want to hear the N word in, in the hallway anymore. But when they talked about experiences with curriculum, they're, they're begging to learn. They're asking us to learn. And they want to learn not just through the lens that we have been presenting so far. And so that was just so striking to me as I continue to work with curriculum conversations and through our entire continuous improvement process that we need to figure out ways in which we can hear from students, well, what is it that you want to learn? And how can we continue to get better at presenting diverse perspectives and multiple lenses through which we approach any topic? Now that you've been through this process, is there a type of school that you think that this would be for? Or do you think whether you're urban or rural or suburban, majority white or majority students of color, do you think that this could work anywhere or do you, th- or do you feel like there, there, are, there are types of schools or districts that this, this framework would work better with? My response, Jake, would be if you hear something about the Voices framework and think we're not the type of school that needs that, then you're probably the school that needs it the most. We're a good example of we don't have a lot of students of color. And therefore, they really don't get heard. And they haven't been for a long, long time. And it wasn't until we engaged in this that we're starting to realize that. So is it valuable for urban school districts? Absolutely. And maybe most valuable for districts that think that everything is good. Because if everything's good, (laughs) then there's a problem. Even in a lot of schools that we've worked with where the student population is fairly diverse, the staff isn't. And there is that, again, that perception gap between what the students believe and where where the staff are. And when we had a separate session with with your staff a couple months after we showed the video and we brought students and, and staff together to kind of have conversations and unpack things more, I think that was one of the pieces that came out was just the humanity and teachers not just seeing students as lazy or they complain a lot or I think there was respect that that students got on the flip side I think students got to hear from adults and got to hear how difficult it can be to build relationships with you know when teachers are maybe seeing you know close to 100 students every day and what that looks like you know, for a teacher and to have more empathy and understanding. So I think it definitely is a, a two-way street and it's been amazing to see the conversations that have, that have started and the work that you guys continue to do in Buffalo, Hanover, Montrose. So that's, that's amazing. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more, head over to our website at captivatemedia.us where you can join our email list as well as check out samples of our work in action. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Jake Sturgis. 
Thanks again, and I hope to see you next time.